0: Brian Reynolds enters the 2023 season as a Pittsburgh Pirate, but not with a lack of questions surrounding him as a player. Is the extension done or is it not? We'll talk about all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Pirates. You are Locked on Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to that Pirates podcast, everybody. My name, of course, is Ethan Smith, host of the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every single day. To my right, as always, on Mondays when the season kicks off is Gary Morgan of about seven different outlets at this point, it feels like. Pirates fan forum. Uh, the H2P podcast, which I'm sure you're very happy about after yesterday's ginormous win against Syracuse. I'm sure uh, Jim Beheim will find something to complain about an um, equipment manager, senior manager, getting his first points of his career. Uh, inside the Bucks basement as well is where you can find Gary stuff and plenty of other areas. But, Gary, how are you today, considering we finally got baseball this past weekend that was interesting to watch?
1: I'm doing good, man. It was fun to watch. I enjoyed seeing... A whole lot of the faces that I think are going to play a big role this year out there, at least early on. It was fun to see.
0: And, of course, on Monday, we have a game again today. Um, Of course, most people, after Adolfo Castro hit his home run, um, Grand Slam, may I add, many people on the social medias were calling us World Series champions already. Uh, (laughs) But Mitch Keller also looked very unhittable. But we are talking about Brian Reynolds today. Because ever since December and last year and the year before that, Brian Reynolds in the word trade, T-R-A-D-E, for those that may not word that, not, not like any other way you could spell trade, and if you need the definition of it, just find it. Have been synonymous with Brian Reynolds since after the COVID season where, of course, we saw Tayo and Musgrove and Bell all get traded and it was like a fire sale. Many people, I think, expected him to be gone with Adam Frazier that year in the 2021 trade deadline. Throughout all of that, he's still here. He makes his trade request open in December. I think most of us know that that was not the way it seems on paper. Um, I have clearly called it a negotiation tactic since it happened. And even now, on February 27th, Brian Reynolds is still a Pittsburgh Pirate, and things continuously look like they're trending in the right direction for them to eventually get this done, but we know that's what's going to surround him for most of this spring training. But do we think going into 2023 that an extension will eventually just maybe stop being on his mind and just let him focus on baseball?
1: I think that most players don't want to negotiate a contract in the middle of a season. No. Um, so I would expect if they don't get something done very soon that there will be some kind of a deadline issued. And it will be something like, you know, the end of spring training, March 29th, March 30th, something like that. And, and that will be it. They'll either get it done or they won't in that period of time. Um, it'll be when that deadline news comes out, if it comes out, it'll be a reason for everyone to get fresh mad about a situation that really ain't changed. Nope. It hasn't changed since CAA walked away from the table after getting an offer and not, not liking the, the return answer. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of back and forth. There was an offer, a counter offer. A shrug of the shoulders like we ain't getting there. And, hey, well, we we want traded then. Well, if you're the Pirates, you're thinking, okay, he wants $134 million. Period. He's not accepting any less. They, they're walking. Just because we said we weren't moving to that. And if you're Brian, you're thinking, hey, I, I'm worth more than $80 million. I I want to be here more than six years. So you walk away feeling disrespected. This yep. was months ago. This was. Nothing's changed except for that they're talking now and things are more positive and it looks like it's rolling in that direction. Of course he gets irritated every time people bring it up. And of course the media brings it up. They have to. It's their job.
0: It is. And I think the sweet spot that you get into with all this is one, the years is going to be a big conversation because some people say six, some people say eight, some reports say six, some say eight. Sure. If you're talking six and over however much amount of money, where I think the middle line comes with this is you're going to probably, I think, get into the range of 6-105 or 6-110. Because then you're kind of bas- – that's just if they both meet in the middle. Now, let's remind ourselves of a couple of things here. This is the Pittsburgh Pirates we were talking about who just shelled out the biggest contract they ever have in their history last year the day before the season started with key Brian Hayes. Now, if you just stopped right here and stopped what I just said right there and clipped that entire thing, you'd be like, Oh, so they didn't pay attention to baseball at all. You'd probably think, Oh, key Brian Hayes got like $200 million, right? No, $70 million is the largest contract that has ever been shelled out to a player in Pittsburgh before. So this whole thing going on right now about meeting in the middle at 110, it's a big deal, but also remind yourselves Count on your hand how many players of Brian Reynolds' caliber have wanted to play their entire careers in Pittsburgh in the day and age of baseball we live in now. Because, of course, you have the Clementis and the Willie Stargils and all the guys from the 80s and the 90s, too. But even Barry Bonds didn't stay here for his whole career to chase money. Brian Reynolds, to me, has expressed, not officially, but he has expressed in very obvious ways that he wants to figure this out, and he wants to be a Pittsburgh Pirate for a very long time.
1: Well, he said it's his number one. It's yeah. his number one. You say, that's your number one. And then you got Bob Nutting saying, uh, Brian's important. This is on the record, mind you. Yeah, Brian's important. We want to do what's right for him, for his family and for the team. He's hitting on all the buzzwords that Brian uses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear these words all the time. From people close to him and people internally in the Pirates, they, they talk positively about getting this done. I see it as coming to, tr- to fruition at some point here. I yeah. think they'll probably go seven years. I think you're right about the number, somewhere in the 108 to 110 range. I think they'll probably tack on an option year to make the numbers a lot closer to what he asked for, so he feels good.
0: Yeah, and... Obviously, I'm not a contract or a money wizard when it comes to baseball at all. If you want to do that, talk to um, Ethan Houlihan, I believe is his name, who does all the payroll stuff. He does a phenomenal job of breaking all that down. Again, going back to the number that I suggested, if you're going seven years with an option on the back end, I would really expect maybe something like a front-loaded contract. I think that's something that they could very much explore with Reynolds because you're seeing baseball change now where you're seeing guys like yesterday, Manny Machado signs an 11-year deal and he's going to be a San Diego Padre for the rest of his life. These contracts just get longer and longer. Reynolds is going to be how old when the season starts? 29, 28. 28. So, I mean, you're talking about seven years. He'll be 35 by the end of that contract. So the option year again, could come into a very big play by that time. But if you want to keep him here now, you do what you have to do to keep him here now. And I would also say, based off of what we've seen from the day that he requested the trade, again, a tactic that his agency is known to use all the time as a negotiation tactic, if you go look at the Shohei Otani situation, you can see that yourself. From that point to where we sit now talking on Monday, February 27th, I would say, and I would put my house on it, that he would re-sign with Pittsburgh before he was traded, just based off of the direction that it's trended in since we got to that point in December.
1: Yeah, it's important to note, too. I mean, let's say they don't get it done. He ain't getting traded. (laughs) Not yet. No. They're going to go into the season with him, and he's going to play, and everything would be fine, just like it would have had they... Showed up to camp and decided there was going to be no more negotiations. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess like the the moral of the story on all this finance stuff with him is, man, some new news is just really re-reported news or slightly different news. But we're getting all the way back to 10 mad Mm -hmm. just because this ain't happening on your timeline. And it's just not. He's not the only player they're dealing with, for one thing. And it doesn't pay to go back and forth every two days on some of this stuff. You know, if a guy's going to get over wanting that extra $10 million or whatever the figure is, he ain't going to get over it in two days. you have to give him some soap time to show him, like, you ain't moving too easily, and they want to show they're not going to move too easily. That's why this stuff takes some time. As you massage your way closer.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's just how it is. Especially something I could say to the listeners right now. Imagine that you were in this spot. Would you be able to figure out wanting your $10 million extra if it was an opportunity to you? If your employer is like, oh, we'll give you this. And you say you want this. And they say, we're not going to meet that number yet. And you renegotiate. Do you really think they or yourself is going to have their mind figured out up in two days? Probably not. But you know what can help you figure out your mind is Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein energy bars that are the most amazing thing on the planet. If you uh, listen to this podcast, I absolutely love them. Every time I wake up for work at a fresh 5.30 in the morning to go serve people coffee and waffles, what do you think I'm taking with me? I'm taking a Bilt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try Bilt Bar. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. They also only contain 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't have to just get them from online anymore at Built.com. You can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. And, of course, those ones at Walmart or Sam's Club come in a four-bar box of cookies and cream. Double chocolate or coconut puffs. And, of course, at Sam's Club, we all know Sam's Club has everything in bulk. So you can grab a 13-bar box of either brownie batter or churro. But if you still want to use the online method like a lot of people prefer, use Locked 15 for 15% off of your first order with the best protein bars on the planet. So now that we finished the uh, Locked On Financials of Baseball portion of today's episode, uh, that if that was ever a show... That would be the funniest show ever, just trying to figure out all this contract stuff. Um, Let's just remember, and I think this is something that's been lost a little bit this offseason. Brian Reynolds still has the capacity with two hands to wear batting gloves and have a baseball bat in his hand and wear a glove on his left hand and throw with his right hand. He's still a baseball player. So going into 2023... It's very interesting because you have an outfield, which last week I talked about a lot. Of course, I had Craig uh, from Bucks in the Basement on here last week talking about Andrew McCutcheon. I talked about Jack Sawinski in the episode before and all the guys that are going to be behind them. I also understand, apparently, Gary, that the Locked On Pirates faithful love Cal Mitchell. I, okay. I, I forgot to mention his name in a big group of outfielders, apparently, and everybody lo- like commented, where's Cal Mitchell on this list? Why are you well, mentioning gonna, Connor Joe over this?
1: I'm going to guess they didn't enjoy that first spring training game.
0: I, I don't know. Uh, but also, Caden uh, Smith and Jigba, by the way, uh, Craig brought this up on my show, about the charity stuff that he's been a part of and all of the events that he's been a part of and stuff. Yep. That, not everybody just does that. The Pirates don't do that with just anybody. So we'll keep that in mind too. But when you look at Reynolds, last year was interesting for him. Uh, people started to panic a little bit, which is natural when you mention the name Brian Reynolds, because people panic about everything when it comes to him, apparently. Uh, he did not have the greatest first half of the year. It wasn't bad, but he did not have a what I would call Brian Reynolds s first half. Comes out in the second half, he looks more like himself. So this season. Could we possibly expect something like that, or do we think we get a more consistent Brian Reynolds of what we're used to from what we've seen from him?
1: I mean, it's so hard to say. His finished product has been consistent. I think that that's probably the best way to put it. Um, it We haven't got to see him yet this spring, really. Mm-hmm. We saw it, some batting practice videos or whatever, and, and in that case, you know, his legs look like he looks like he could play, be playing hockey. If you've ever seen Sidney Crosby's legs, um, you would understand what I think I'm seeing with Brian Reynolds. Um, huge, huge thighs. Like a lot of power comes
0: from there. So, now we went to uh, Locked On Anatomy. We went from Locked well, On Baseball Finance to Locked On Anatomy. I love this.
1: Well, I do think that he's trying to become a 30 home run hitter. I think yes. he, you know, he knows where the where the the game is going. And the team still needs power, and I think he's looking to provide it. I I would like to see him get back to a little bit more of the contact approach that he had. I could sacrifice a few home runs for a little bit higher average. I think he's a better all-around player when he's using his speed and getting on base and forcing the issue and driving in runs like that, as opposed to hunting taters. Um, but I expect him to have a good season this year. I really do. Um, it looks like he's... Move it to left field as well. So
0: yes,
1: that's that's probably a good thing. I don't I don't think that means he'll never play center field again, but I mean, that's a, that's a nice thing I think as far as um, improving the outfield defense, making his life a little easier out there, and can only be good to to take a little stress off of him out in the outfield.
0: So now I didn't actually know that about the uh, left field thing. Cause I was actually about to lead into my next question about the guys that the pirates have at their disposal defensively in the outfield. You're talking the G one bays of the world. You're talking Jack Sawinski. We know Andrew McCutcheon since he's departed has kind of shifted more towards that DH role than he has the actual defensive playing the outfield. You look at his splits when he was in Milwaukee last year, I believe he played 82 games as a DH last year. So, with Reynolds moving to left, where do, does that put Sawinski in center field, or does that put Sawinski in right with Kutch DHing? How do you think that all ends up, like fixing itself out with the defensive way working of the outfield?
1: I don't know, man. I really don't. I, I mean, they started out with Jack Sawinski. I I do think he's capable of that. I think he showed that last year. He, he looked pretty good out there, pretty comfortable. Um, I think he's got the arm to play out there. I don't think he's best suited to be a starting center fielder, but I think he can handle it. And I do think he's a little bit faster than Brian. Um, I don't think he has the field general aspect of it down yet, though. So, I would like to see that. Chiwon Bay has certainly got the athleticism. But he hasn't really played out there a whole lot. Um, I think he can get there, but I don't think he is. You got your Travis Swaggerty truthers out there that They're going to want to put him out in center field because he's a natural center fielder and everything. And hey, if he hits his way onto the team, so be it. Um, He's he's one of those lefties in that group that could make it. Cal Mitchell, I'm starting to believe, doesn't belong in the outfield at all. Um, Poor decisions yesterday with the arm uh, on top of the arm. You know a couple of them i just i just don't like his game out there i really don't and i don't question his hustle or anything i just don't think he's got enough athleticism to really really man the outfield and he certainly doesn't have the arm to play right field no. and and stop runners from running to, from trying to take the extra base certainly can't keep people from trying to go to third
0: yeah so I think that's one thing when we're talking about the outfielders that Brian Reynolds won. I talk about Andrew McCutcheon and how he's going to help these young outfielders. Brian Reynolds is there to do the same thing. He's seen things. He knows what's going on out there. He knows how it's working out. And most of the time, me and Gary will agree, hitting is going to get you in the lineup somehow. But for a guy like Cal Mitchell, if you're not going to be that great defensively in the outfield, does the bad defense outweigh the good offense? In that sense of a guy that, like, when you have such a big group behind Reynolds and I'd say, like, Sawinski and McCutcheon, yeah, the bat is going to help you out a lot, but if you can't play anywhere defensively out there, what happens at that point? Are you just a glorified DH?
1: Maybe. There's a lot of players like that that have decent careers in the major leagues, you know? Um... You wouldn't necessarily like them to be your outfielder. But if you have to do it for a game or two here or there, or he's just your substitute and you really like his bat, you can find a place for a guy like that. I like the way Cow swings the bat. I do. I think, you know, he, he makes good contact. He takes a pretty decent at bat. I just don't think he has enough power to make it matter. And since best case scenario, he's a corner outfielder, he kind of needs power, right? Yeah. Like if you're going to live with that defense being down you want him to be able to make it up any runs he gives up a little bit with one swing of the bat right I'm not seeing that uh, now I'm not writing him off either I don't know anything about Kane Smith and Jigby either besides he had a good on base percentage let's see what he does uh, I've given up on Swaggerty maybe I'm premature maybe I'm not we'll see I don't think Andujar look, looks good as an option so like feels like one of those lefties needs to make it
0: yeah and that's where i get with uh the brian reynolds stuff too is you have brian reynolds as the center of the trade proposals and trade rumors and all this stuff i like to take it a layer down you can only have so many players be it even prospects in my opinion at a position group position group pitchers to me, you can never have too many. If you have a, a enormous amount of pitchers in your at your disposal, perfect. But when it comes to position groups, they have a crap ton of outfielders right now. I don't think anybody would disagree with me on this at all. That's not even including the group that you would probably put behind them where you're going to have the Matt Gorskis of the world, the Matt Frazier's of the world, the Connor Scott's of the world. That are going to eventually hit their way into being into the conversation.
1: Chukupito so, Marcano,
0: Marcano as well. Ryan Connor Valade. Joe, I Connor mean,
1: Joe.
0: You could name for five minutes almost the amount of guys that are there, and then even after that, Lonnie White was a draft pick a couple of years ago. That he's going to eventually probably get into this group too. It'll um, be a minute, it'll
1: be it'll a minute. Be a minute. For that. But I, I, I think Connor Joe. Actually, it's good you brought him up because I think he's. Probably less of a guess um, than a lot of people would like. He's got a couple decent major league seasons under his belt now. And right-handed bat, they need that. Um, He he can play a decent outfield. He can play some first base for you. He's a good bat off the bench. Yes. I I think think Connor Joe's going to make this team. So I really think that if you're talking outfield, it might be good if they could play infield too. That's why I kind of give G1 Bay an edge.
0: Yes. I mean, and just going back to it again, there's just so many guys there that when I hear about Reynolds being traded, I'd say if there's a positive to that, sure, then that opens the door more. But why not also think on the same coin of keeping your all-star outfielder and maybe trading some of these guys like to use Travis Swaggerty truthers, Travis Swaggerty. He's never had the chance yet. He may never get it. So why have him just sit there? You you could probably trade him to a team that would take his services pretty quickly based off of where he was drafted and what he's done. Not saying he's done um, immaculate things, but teams would be interested in some of these guys to fill spots in their team. And in turn, the Pirates probably get Not major returns, but maybe like a relief pitcher to help in the bullpen or something. So that's where I think about this more often than not is there's guys behind Brian Reynolds that I think are more likely to eventually be traded this year than he is. Just because there are just so many guys in that group. Now, Reynolds, again, I mean, I think he could have an all-star year this year. But where I think the conversation negotiating-wise gets interesting is let's just hypothetically guess that it does not get done by spring and they do not do it into the season. Let's say Reynolds hits 295, cracks almost that 30 home run number and whatever else, has a great on-base and OPS. Like you said before, that number is only going to go up. So does that think, put even more stress on Pittsburgh to get this done with the possibility that he has that kind of year?
1: I think it does. Because I, I think uh, the offer that, you know, I think a lot of people are tossing around, let's say it's something like 7-108 or, you know, 8-120, whatever you want to go with, it's a fair offer. But even if he has a down year this year, he's going to get that offer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, I mean, so you're not going to save any money at, at the very least. And if he goes off, he's going to price himself right out of town. If he doesn't get done before this season starts, my assumption would be that they would trade him in the off offseason.
0: I, and I think that's a very real possibility because, again, at the end of the season, as we mentioned earlier, he'll still only be 29. I mean, so you're not talking about a guy that's going to be ancient. And if he hits 295, and obviously if he does that, the other numbers will follow, at that point, it'll just, it'll have to happen. because. And I think the same thing that if people want to worry about is people, some people think that once this rental thing gets figured out, you won't do it again. There's some guys on this team, as Gary mentioned earlier, that they're probably already talking to because they know in the back of their minds as a front office, that it could happen to them at any point with a few players.
1: Mitch Keller in particular,
0: Mitch Mitch Keller, especially I was uh, getting into that. He could have a sub four ERA this year with 150 plus strikeouts. He's gone. He's going to command too much money. O'Neal Cruz at some point, if they don't get an extension done with him in the next year or two, When he goes out there and his stuff starts figuring itself out and he cuts to his enormous potential, it's just how it works for the way the Pirates do business. So a lot of it. But also on the other side of the coin, because I like to give both sides, the players know this, too, but they're not going to intentionally suck to stay in Pittsburgh. You're not going to expect them to, oh, O'Neill Cruz isn't just going to go out there one day in July and say, oh, if I go 0 for 4 today, I'll get to stay in Pittsburgh because my price will drop. No, it won't. <laughs> Brian Reynolds knows that too. He knows that he can price himself out of Pittsburgh if he does well, which is where most of, these, most of the pressure goes on the Pirates because ultimately, I love Brian Reynolds. I want him to be here just like everybody else in Pittsburgh wants him to be here. But you me, hit on
1: no. you hit on something there, and I think it was I understood what you were saying, but I think you kinda hit on what made me think of this by accident. When you said that they they understand that process and they know they could price themselves out of Pittsburgh. No, they expect that they will
0: Yeah
1: do that. And they will price themselves out of Pittsburgh. And therein lies the difference right there. Players believe they will blow all expectations out of the water. And owners and GMs believe most players won't come close to reaching expectations or blowing anyone's doors off. That That's why the pricing difference for teams that don't feel they can get away with making a mistake.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you couldn't have... I mean... You look at this whole saga, and eventually, like I said, I think the way it is trending, you are going to see a Brian Reynolds deal maybe in the next two or three weeks. That's just me guessing. I have no idea on that. I am not a breaking news guy. I never have, probably never will be on this podcast because that's not what I'm here for. If it doesn't, I think another thing to add to this too about what I just said about him pricing himself out of Pittsburgh that still doesn't mean his price is going to drop on the trade market. That is the interesting thing to keep in mind here. Because the one thing that has been so hard with Brian Reynolds on a lot of teams that have reached out about him, he's impossible to value right now. He has three years of team control. The Pirates really wanted to. They could sit on their heads and keep him here until 2025. They, they really could if they wanted to. I think that a lot be, of
1: fans would like to watch them sit on their heads.
0: Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> like, why not? I mean, because he could request the trade all he wants. But Brian Reynolds, if you guys, like, based off of what he's shown himself to the public as, you really think if he requested a trade, like, actually requested one, and the Pirates didn't do it, that he would just not play baseball? No. Because then, what does that do to him? His price immediately drops. Because then, all of a sudden, these tags get put on him. He's a bad clubhouse guy. He doesn't have work ethic. Blah, blah, blah like all the stuff that you would normally hear. That is uh, yeah, also I mean, a real possibility for the Pirates that he, they could just say, "You know what? It's not getting done. You'll be here until 2025, and then hit the open market in 2025."
1: I do believe, despite all of the contingency plans and everything, I do believe it's going to take. It's going to get get done. And I believe they'll get it done this spring. I believe both sides will be happy. And I think it, he'll finish the tangible part of his career here. Yes. Just know that if they sign him for seven years, he will very likely be traded in six. Yeah. So like yes. I mean, it's not as though this just this is never gonna be brought up again. If you're just new to watching the Pirates This is life. If you thought this GM was going to be different, sorry, he still has that same constriction. If you think a different owner would come in and make it better, slightly.
0: I think the only difference you would probably get in a new owner is he would already be signed, but it would still end up being the same issue down the road.
1: Exactly. Major League Baseball has created a system that is inherently unfair. And it's inherently unfair to certain markets. And when you quote market size, you don't factor in everything like that San Diego owns 100% of their parking lots. 100% of their parking lots. The Pirates own zero. The cable package, 40 million. San Diego's way more than that. They're all going to implode. So think about what that does for the future of this game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a lot, and it's a thing that me and Gary could sit here and talk about for a very long time. But we'll let you guys dabble in your research on that one. Thank you guys for tuning into the Locked on Pirates podcast today here on Monday, February 27th. Gary, tell everybody what you got going on this whole week. I'm sure you got a bunch of stuff going on with spring training kicking into full gear.
1: Yeah, we're starting to dig into players, individual players. Michael's going to have a couple of pieces. Craig's keeping his eye on prospects, especially ones that are, like, in camp he's paying attention to now. Um, I'm going to do the five thoughts at five on Monday. Every Wednesday now we get a question and answer thing. Send me questions and I'll answer them. And uh, the Pirates fan forum every Saturday morning.
0: Awesome stuff. And, again, the Pirates do play baseball today, I believe, against the philadelphia phillies 105 so if you're off work have fun enjoy it um i am not uh even though i do wear airpods at work so i'll probably have the radio broadcast on so why not thank you guys for tuning in today be back tomorrow see you on the flip side have a wonderful monday